I was uh, <clears throat> I went to the gas station today because I when I got home from work I was like really tired, and I was like, well, let's yeah. see what kind of energy drinks they've got. And I didn't know this, but apparently Dwayne the Rock Johnson has his own energy no drink now. No yeah. Way. Are you said yeah. what is it called? It's called dude. It's right here. It's called Zoa. Like it looks pretty cool. It was pretty. It was oh, pretty yeah. tasty. It tastes like uh, muscle milk and Godzilla. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it'd have been a lot cooler if it did, though. No, that's crazy, though. Was it like affordable, or was it like five dollars? Um, it was two for five. So, I mean, that's, oh, that's a ba- basically bad. like the same price as Red Bulls and stuff. But yeah, that's comparable. Yeah. I was Ooh. I was thoroughly impressed, but like. As if The Rock doesn't have all the monies anyhow. Like Dwayne, yeah. Dwayne Johnson apparently has added his own energy drink to his list of incomes. Apparently he's got his own tequila. He's got his like really? ice cream collaborations, his water, and now this. Like, bro, how much money do you need? Like, I chill. Know. I mean, chill. that's like McGregor and, you know, Proper 12, and I'm sure he's doing other shit now. I'm sure he probably has like a merchandise line and all that probably. shit. Um uh, yeah, I, but that's how it goes, man. Those people become like influencers, and they 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 milk it, you know. I mean, so. the Rock. It I, I'd be hard pressed to not believe anything the Rock sold me. I know, <laughs> and like if for no other reason, just sheer intimidation, yes. and like like directed solely at my masculinity. You know yes. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to be a man like me? Drink Zoa. Yeah, like, like okay, okay. He's gonna Rock, say yes. no, right? <laughs> Like, even my girlfriend would say yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, who's going to turn down Dwayne Johnson, though? I mean, that's the... I know. Nobody. That's the thing. Like, yeah. him and uh, Jason Momoa would be other one. Oh. the other one. Like, yeah. I would buy anything that would, had his name on it. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. So, well, I'm going to go ahead and open it up. Welcome to the Toon Junkies podcast. My name is Chris, and today I am joined by Joshua D-Day of the band Normandy. How's it going? Hello, going great, Chris. How about you? You know, I'm living the dream, but I am just living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking your The Rock energy drink, Zoa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah getting yeah. cracked up, ready to go. Well, I'm drinking, Everyone like, be jealous <laughs> of my success of I'm the drinking Zoas. San Pellegrino, dark Morello, cherry, and pomegranate from Costco. It's like polar opposite what you're drinking right now. <laughs> yeah, dude, but that sounded classy as hell. San oh. Pellegrino. Dude, it had the like little foil top on top of it. Oh the only reason, so I, my uncle got me a Costco membership like a year and a half ago for my birthday. Mm-hmm. Like otherwise, I never would have become one because I would have been like, oh, I can't, I can't afford to do that. Like I'm right. gonna make a lot. You know, you just think like rich people shop at Costco. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I started going, and uh, first off, like they do a cash back thing. So it's like sixty bucks a month. This is not a Costco ad, surprise. Tune <laughs> <laughs> no, junkies just is not straight out the gate. Yeah. Straight out the gate. <laughs> uh, but it's like sixty bucks a year or something. But mm-hmm. the thing is, they like pay you to when you buy shit from there. So they ended up giving me like hundred twenty bucks in cash and a free membership for the like this current year. Uh, after that year ran out, so it's like okay, bet. Guess I'm going back to Costco. Let me get this straight. Costco pays you to be a member they do i think you might have to like have the credit card which my girlfriend and i like we just bought a house and we we're like all right let's send it get a shared credit card and all that Mm -hmm. stuff because we were like you know keeping tabs in a right in a notes thing we're like ah no let's just like get the shared card and we can do it through costco and they'll like you know you get your cash back and all that shit so anyways worked out yeah 
It sounds like Costco's taken life lessons from the government and their relationship with Alaska. Like how <laughs> the government pays you to live in Alaska just because yeah, uh, right. why would you want to live there? <laughs> right. Sorry Some to any of our Alaska thing. listeners. If I'm sure Alaska has its perks, but I'm sure. But you're also listening from an igloo. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> you win some, um, you lose some. But. The first question I want to ask, well, the first question we like to ask here on the Toon Junkies podcast is, who do you think is worth more money, Tony Hawk or Rob Deerdeck? Ooh. Oh, man, that's tough. Because, t- like, the thing about Tony Hawk is, you know, he's he's like the GOAT, you know. He's like the Eminem of, Absolutely. of the skateboarding world. But uh, it just comes off as, like, kind of a shy introvert, you know. Like, he doesn't yeah. have that, like that influencer appeal like that charisma at least that i'm aware of i'm not like really in the skateboarding industry but right like from what i know and what i've seen and you know like i've watched like ridiculousness and all that Mm -hmm. shit and like back you know watching old like mtv cribs episodes and shit it's like they both had episodes and dude tony hawks was lame like it sucked (laughs) it was like oh i feel like this dude's like 55 old white retired dude like this is what it felt like with him and then rob deerdeck he had like an atm in the basement so when you go (laughs) there and you start gambling and you lose he can be and you say you don't have cash he'd be like no i got an atm right over there through that door pull it out pay up like (laughs) it's funny funny i like the uh i i can't remember when it happened but tony hawk used to like he'll tweet he'll go to the airport and people who like check him in will be like has anyone ever told you you look like that skateboarding guy? <laughs> and they'll be like, yeah, I hear it a lot. <laughs> yeah, something like that. They're like, what's, no, Rob Deerdeck. <laughs> what's, yeah, what's crazy is, though, so I, I had this thought today, and I was like, who is worth more? Because I know how successful Rob Deerdeck is, and we all know that, yeah. like you said, Tony Hawk is the GOAT. But Tony Hawk's net worth is $140 million, right? Rob Deerdeck's is only a hundred million. There's only a forty million dollar difference in between the really? two. Really? Yeah. I honestly would have guessed, believe it or not, that Deerdeck was worth more. I That's just feel like he's still relevant. Too. Yeah. I thought That's that. Interesting. Yeah, I thought Rob was going to be worth more simply because he's got like TV shows and like he <laughs> he makes money off. The only reason, well, how does it? How did how did he word this? To get on the show Ridiculousness, you have to sign a waiver to where he then legally owns your video. And so, like, he gets the money from the, like, the plays of that movie or the video. So I was like, yeah, I figured he would be worth way more, but, I mean, Yeah, because, I mean, like, if if something was on TikTok and blows up and he now owns it, he gets all the revenue from it or YouTube or whatever. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he can put he can put that on TikTok, he can put that on IG, brand. he can put that on YouTube, like and make money yeah. off of all of those. I think that part of part of his brand is kind of like what part of like Kesha's old brand used to be, where they just try to come off looking stupid, but mm-hmm. they're really like wicked smart in the background. You know, they just do that because they know it'll sell. Yeah, I think I my co-host Nick is a big Kesha fan. I think he was the one that told me that like Kesha has like a super high IQ. She got like a 12, 1300 on her SATs. She's like a borderline genius. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and she's super talented. She, like her and T-Pain, like super talented. They just bought into the auto tunes. What was it mm-hmm. at the time? You know, yep. 
Um, so, and I think he's wicked smart too. I think it's just a, you know, it's not like, not industry plants, but I think it, it's like the reverse almost. Like they figured it out and then mm-hmm. they just worked it. Yep. Milked it. And I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm here for it. I ain't even mad. But. Take my money. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's not actually the first question we like to ask here. The first question we actually like to ask is, what was your first experience with live music? Okay, so first live music experience. Uh, so I think I was 13. Uh, I know it was in middle school. I think I was 13. And there's a venue. Well, you, I mean, you probably know this venue. Um, it's called Ruoff Home Mortgage Center. It used to be called Klipsch. Before that, it was called Verizon, and before that, it was Deer Creek. Deer Creek, so, yeah, the place with many names, yeah. Uh, I was 13, and my dad, my cousin Jake, who is uh, Normandy's bassist, actually, mm-hmm. um, and then my uncle, uh, Jake's dad, four of us went to, uh, at the time, it was, I think, Verizon, but I was young, so I don't quite remember, uh, and it was a like mega concert. That was, I think, from like opener to closer, it was Escape the Fate, uh, Bullet for My Valentine, Seether, uh, Three Days Grace, and Avenged Sevenfold. I think those oh were the five. God. And Dude, I, that's I, a it was stacked lineup, bro. Dude, I fucking know. <laughs> like, <laughs> what an intro I'm not... to like live music, too. I've only been let down since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's where you fucked yourself, is that you, you started at such a high bar. Yeah, well, and it was interesting, too, because, um, like, I was not into heavy music at mm-hmm. all at that point. And I mean, like, heavy at all. Like, Escape the Fate, like, disgusted me at age 13. <laughs> I was like, what yeah. the fuck is this? Like, this is <laughs> weird. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's like, I was there for, like, the butt rock bands. I was there for... Mainly Three Days Grace. I also really liked Event Sevenfold, and I kind—I've always like kind of like Seether. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think they're the best in the world, but I think they're consistent. Right. Uh, my Valentine, I've, I knew like uh, you know Tears Don't Fall and Your Betrayal. Like those right. are the only two I knew. It was interesting because you know, like obviously I was a kid and I was just bewildered by the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, some people go to their first show when they're like six. Some people go to their first show and they're like 20. Like, it's weird. Like, sometimes, right. like, we, we've had people come to Normandy concerts and it's their first concert ever. I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking crazy <laughs> that you'll always remember me as like your first concert. Right. Um, so it, it was interesting though because watching it all happen, you know, I, I'm bewildered, like I said, but at the same time, it like kind of broke the fourth wall and I see that these are people like these people that are these musicians that I listen to on a regular basis. They're human beings. Yeah. And it like triggered something in my adolescent brain where I'm like, Oh shit. Like you can just do this thing. (laughs) Like you can just be that if you just decide to do it. Um, so I think it triggered something in me that because I was I was already playing guitar and dabbling in songwriting, but it really was like, music in general for me is just the live experience Mm -hmm. um crafting it performing it going to other shows all of that i I think there's you know nothing better in the world of music um so yeah really like was my gateway drug into (laughs) now where i'm snorting normandy every day (laughs) (laughs) 
was now the real question is was this during the era of the I'm gonna say it and I don't care who hears it the good era of Three Days Grace where uh, Adam Gontier fronted the band. Oh yes, son. Good. And good. It was um, I if I remember correctly, I think it was right after Life Starts Now came out. It was either right yes. after, or right before, but they played like the big songs from Life Starts Now, like mm-hmm. World So Cold and uh, Right Lost in You, a couple others, and then like mainly stuff from One X and the oh. self-titled album. Such a good album, bro. So good. Um, like Nightmare had just come out and they were touring mm-hmm. on that. I think it might have been the Nightmare tour. Yeah, so it was like right in the prime of all these bands. It was so and Escape the Fate, I think you know, I didn't know them at the time, but if I had to guess, they probably only had put out this war is ours. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Hell yeah. That's honestly I'm pretty jealous of your first experience. I <laughs> I'm not entirely positive, but I'm pretty sure the first like live music I ever saw was at a county fair, the 4-H fair oh, no. in and the, <laughs> my my intro was I do like to brag about this though. It was Hootie and the Blowfish. I got to see them oh, before they nice. disappeared. I'm like, mm. yeah. Oh so, yeah. I took my high school sweetheart there and she was like, "Is this what you wanted to see?" I'm like, "Uh, yeah. This is Hootie and the Blowfish." Fucking bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's take it back all the way to the beginning, to 2017 when the band began to take form. Yes, so we, we being Gabriel and I, Gabriel's the rapping vocalist. Um, I guess let me take it back a step further. So I was in a, like, you know, everyone's in a high school band Mm -hmm. uh, who gets into music, and mine was called Running for Last, and it was a, like... Kind of emo, kind of like a punk isn't the right word, but like like post hardcore. Yeah, like post hardcore is probably mm-hmm. a good. Yeah, um, like and it was good. Don't get me wrong, but it was nothing like seriously groundbreaking in the beginning. And then I started experimenting with song arrangement and you know all the different layering of like synths and strings mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Um, but it kind of was like an offshoot direction of where everyone else's head was. Cause all the other guys were more like into classic rock and, and not like I grew up on GNR and uh, mm-hmm. like Sabbath, those guys. So uh, like, it's not a foreign thing to me. It's just not really what I wanted to make. Right. Um, but it is what they wanted to make. And as things progressed, um, I started to kind of drift out of it a little bit and started writing things on my own. And then I found out a lot of the members were uh, taking some, the intense drugs so yeah really living that rock star lifestyle (laughs) oh yeah yeah so i uh i kind of separated myself after i found that out because it was there were a lot of problems and i was still pretty young Mm -hmm. i hadn't really been like heavily exposed to you know individuals who were in that predicament Mm -hmm. um and as soon as i found that out i was like oh well that's why there's all this you know tension all the time and all these things so um so I was like, oh, it must be me because I'm like an insecure kid. I'm like, it must be me. I've got problems. And Join the it's all club. My fault. Join right, the club. Right, yeah. <laughs> Still an insecure kid, but it's yeah. fine. Same time, Gabriel and I started, uh, well, he featured that band in one song, which is actually on our debut record. It's called Anxiety. Ooh. And uh, I, me and that old drummer, we kind of wrote the instrumental together. 
and then I gave it to Gabe and was like, hey, now throw down your rap vocals. He did, and we rehearsed it uh, one time in that drummer's basement. It was just me, the drummer, and Gabe. And like mm-hmm. any anything that wasn't vocals or drums, including guitar, was just like backtracked. Like we were just kind of doing it for fun to see how it went. Right. And uh, I talked to him afterwards, and I was like, dude, there is a chemistry there, and there's something about you know, like there's something about the way you and I interact. And there's also something about just the sound like really sticks with me. And I think mm-hmm. other people would really enjoy, would you want to do more? And he was like, Oh hell yeah. Cause at the time he, he started off doing poetry and he just like rap stuff kind of on the side, but yeah, um, didn't he go by the hip hop moniker van Archer? Yeah, he still yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. Gabriel van Ark. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, he was like yeah let's do it so we wrote um four songs to start and they were anxiety which was already done mm-hmm. and then femme fatale take me away and eyes of evil and i was like dude this is so fucking good and at this point i had like basically completely separated from that other band and i was mm-hmm. like let's just full send it write a full fucking record yeah. and to the moon, like to the moon. <laughs> AMC Doge stock going to this the bitch, moon. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we kept going with it, and we pumped out a record in like uh, I want to say it was like probably six to eight months. Like he would come over every Friday and sometimes Saturday nights too, and we would just stay up to like two or three a.m. Mm-hmm. just cranking on shit. Um, now, like, granted, I write all of the instrumentals, so a lot of it was him, you know, sitting there just kind of chiming in. Right. Um, but it's still it's still good to have you know someone to bounce ideas off of. Absolutely. Uh, we would we would be doing all of that, um, and <laughs> after a while we started because I I I was what like eighteen or nineteen at this point, and so I was just starting to like get into drinking and all that stuff. So and he's uh, three years and nine months older than me, so he'd been doing it for a while, and he was uh, twenty one at least. So mm-hmm. we we started going to the store and we would buy just cheap ass champagne and drink mimosas. When we write. <laughs> I don't know why mimosas were the drink of choice, <laughs> but that habit is carried on because now you, all you drink is Sam Pellegrinos. That's right, it's that bubbly dude. <laughs> You're just a classy dude. You're just a class act, Josh. I try to be, but and, and th- there's a reason for all this too. So, um, so but it'll come much later. Okay. So we uh, we wrote the record, um, and this is between 2015 and, like, 16, mm-hmm. uh, like, winter of 2015. Didn't do any shows. We didn't release any music because I was trying to be very, very strategic about it. Um, and you know, I, I went to college for uh, business marketing and international studies economics. So, like, that's, like, my background is very, <clears throat> you know – oriented uh Uh business which that you know at the end of the day that's what a band is if you're trying to make a career out of it Mm -hmm. it is it's it's an enterprise it's a bit absolutely and like no disrespect to hobbyists because i mean fuck yeah if you just want to do music just for the sake of you know only you know making music for yourself like that's totally fine and honestly uh more power to you because really good way to improve your mental health but um yeah the hobby part i feel like they're just they're doing the all the fun parts without having to deal with like all the stressful parts of like having to build yeah. an empire. Oh yeah, it's like you you can't dog on either side. I don't think right. because like I would never dog on a hobbyist because 
there's sometimes where I'm like, fuck, I wish I could just make music <laughs> in a basement and mm-hmm. not do all the other stuff, you know? And then on the flip side, it's like the hobbyist kn- knows that he or she probably won't ever have a career out of it, but they're okay with that. Yeah. Um, so, and it's, you know, it's nice to live in tandem. But anyways, so we sat on it for the record uh, for a while and we, we did our public debut in January of 2017. So that's mm-hmm. why we, that's why we say like established 2017 or whatever. Right. Because that's when we came onto the scene. If you Unveiled will. to the public. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to say it's January 27th. I don't know why that date just appeared in my mind. But anyways. Um, it's canon now. That's it's Now it's going to be on the internet forever. Canon. So now you have to go Normandy with it. Normandy lore. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we played with, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of a band called Crunkosaurus Rex. Oh um, <laughs> no, but that is an awesome dude, name. I fucking know. And they changed their name eventually to Home Sweet Home. And oh, I was boo. so sad. Boo. I was like, dude. You have such good fucking brand recognition uh, with that name. Like, it's so good. But, bro, a, um, band, a band like Crunkasaurus Rex is obligated to <laughs> tour with bands like I Wrestled a Bear Once, I Set My Friends on Fire. Like, oh, you yeah, have yeah. just name alone. Oh, yeah. the, Animals the, as leaders. Yeah. Tony Danza, <laughs> Tap Dance Extravaganza. Like, you have to tour with bands like that. Yeah, or like Really Big Fish. That's so mm-hmm. fucking funny. So, um, yeah, we played with them and uh, a couple other bands, and we, we now we tour with a light show, um, but we still had the light show back then, and it, it's something that I programmed like we all threw in on it, um, mm-hmm. and I taught myself just from the ground up, no formal education or anything, program uh, lights to follow like our click track and the backing right. track synthesizers and all that. And so we had those the very first show we did. And in Normandy's debut performance, I was like concerned <laughs> that people didn't like us because <laughs> they were staring, they're like not really moving and they're standing like wide eyed, kind of staring. Um, and I thought that they just were like not into it, but we gave it our all. And the other, mm-hmm. I, I, like when we performed the other, you know, outside of, Focusing on the the sonic aspect and um, having a light show, we I mean, we fucking I got just toot the horn where it needs to be tooted, but like we do fucking bring it. Like <laughs> if I come off that stage without being sweaty, like then I did not go hard enough. That's how I always treat it. Um, and I That's think good. that anyone, yeah, and I think anyone who seen us perform would attest to the same kind of thing uh and that's the thing we always hear is wow the energy and uh you guys are just so passionate live and i think a big part of that is the lyrics we put into the music uh Mm -hmm. we talk about things that we just are passionate about so it's like right how could you not (laughs) be energetic and passionate with with uh something that you you care so much about being the foundation of the group right but um at the end of the show we went up and talked to people and then they were all like blown away and like we're saying you know that was crazy i've never seen anything like that you guys have a sound i've not really heard before the lights were nuts and i was talking with uh everybody after the performance and i was like you know after i digested i was like i think everyone was just kind of like absorbing because it was this thing because we endeavored and from the very beginning to do something that you know was unapologetically us and uh unapologetically unique yeah an experience and i mean Mm -hmm. like even our upcoming album release show we have uh on october 9th in indianapolis 
It's called Enter the Void, The Live Experience. And our first album release show was called The Depths Below, The Live Experience. Um, we've, oh, we we dub it that way because that's what it is. We try theatrical. Um, I weave a narrative in between songs that kind of links mm-hmm. everything together. And, I mean, we even have, like, a soft narrative that, that we, we don't make concept albums, but there is, like, a soft narrative mm-hmm. that goes behind everything. Um, and, but yeah, so, like, I went from being, like, fucking terrified that everyone hated it to realizing, like, oh, shit, I think they were, you know, just digesting what was yeah. happening, trying to figure out what was going on. Because then the second time we played, everyone was fucking moving. Right. Um so yeah, I think that was kind of like the telltale sign of okay, I think that hypothesis was correct, and I think we've got something here. So let's keep going. That's one of the things that we're very adamant about when we like talk to bands is that I don't want to sound crass or mean or rude, but this is just what it is. If you're going to take my money and perform on stage, and I'm going to give you my time, I want to be entertained, man. Don't go up there and be boring, like just you know go all out like i bought a ticket to be entertained if i just wanted to listen to your music i could stay at home and listen on spotify i came to see you perform that's what i want to see yeah and uh, you know i think a lot i think the the crux with a lot of local artists in particular is that they forget that they're entertainers Mm -hmm. um because i you know i go to shows and i am trying to be supportive but it's hard for me to feel involved and invested if the band members and especially the front man, I mean, I guess I'm just speaking because I am the front man. So right. I have, I hold that perspective, but like everyone is looking at you to give them direction. So you need mm-hmm. to, you know, even if you've got to chop out a couple lines or something, it's totally worth it because you've got to have that interaction mm-hmm. where you can say, okay, do this thing with your body or uh you know like find a find a buddy and do this thing or hold the mic out sing this line or even you know like i said how we weave in the narrative like here's why you should give a shit about this here's why you should jump when this next song starts Mm -hmm. um like the thing that comes to mind right now is uh there's there's one you know we're prepping for this album release show and there's uh, there's one little spiel that I'm planning on giving before our track Andromeda uh, that we re- dropped in May of last year, and it's about um, you know like how are you guys like obviously like how are you feeling all that shit, but right. um, there's like an inherent connection between all of us in this room right now. Like we're all in here, we're all this doing the same thing, being the same thing. And in essence, we're really just one being. Um, in a single motion right now Mm -hmm. and you know like do you feel that with me and people like yeah and like okay take that feeling harness it and let it empower you as we go into this next one and like everybody in the room jumping and it's like you know i've seen bands like fever 333 uh, as like a big one that comes to mind like there's there's some artists who are just really fucking good at doing that and making you feel like there's a reason do the things you could do at any other concert like inner shikari is another big one and shikari is great too yeah dude they're the shit they're my favorite band of all time they're so fucking good um yeah uh but yeah so it's like you can go to a concert and someone can tell you to jump or someone can tell you to mosh but if someone gives you a reason to do it you know i feel like that really just sets it over it yeah fever 333 
is one of those bands that like changed the way I looked at live performances. Dude, I, saw I them. fucking know, yes. <laughs> I saw them for the first time in 2019 at Sonic Temple in Columbus, and the vocalist, he like <laughs> left the stage, and he must have had like a 200-foot mic cable, because oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. went up the stands, like up into like the third balcony, and just had one of the guards hold him while he stood on the rail, leaned back away from him, just like, just like screaming into him. I was like, <laughs> this fucking guy. Imagine buying just like stadium t- seats, and you're kind of bummed because everyone's on the floor. They get all the action. And then this vocalist right, yeah. comes right to you and just like, now you're in this. Like, bro, that's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that it, it's funny we're talking about him because when people ask me like, dude, how do you how do you get so wild live or whatever? Uh, I, I say like, OK, literally like the pinnacle, like the precedent I hold for myself is like, oh, I just got to be as crazy as Jason Butler. Is. <laughs> yeah. And then, like that's little I verbatim said that to people mm-hmm. after shows before because he's so fucking good. And there are a few others like him. Um but yeah, I think he's the most notable like in the genre that I'm right. you know interested in. Yeah. So one I have a I have a another question. Um this this may sound like a joke, but this was the first thing, first thing that came to my mind when I found you guys and we spoke. When you first started out, how many people came to your show expecting some sort of World War II tribute? Because oh, your name man. is D-Day and the band's name is Normandy. <laughs> I was like, is this, is it, is there something here or am I looking too far into it? No, you're, I mean, you're, you're on the right track. And like with our newest track, uh, Vanguard that we dropped, it's also kind of an homage to that because mm-hmm. de- definition of Vanguard is, uh, the front, uh, like the front runners in a, in a naval brigade, but then it's kind of a double entendre because it's also somebody who's paving the way in a new ideal. Right. Um, anyway, so we've always kind of, like enough homage to to the namesake and like a like slightly militaristic element of it um like to the extent that it you know is like fun to do right um, yeah <laughs> oh, yeah right so because we we when we were coming up with the name originally it just kind of fucking came out of nowhere really to be honest with you like sometimes like i could give you a story behind probably every song that i've ever written out of nowhere um and then my la- my middle initial is Daniel. So that's where Joshua D-Day comes from. Uh, like, oh, okay. It just fucking works. And it's even funnier you bring up the war tribute thing because we have a really good friend named uh, Johnny who uh, has a YouTube channel called Potential History. And he mm-hmm. does uh, like – it's like war history, like tank stuff. Um, yeah. His channel is fucking massive. So it's really like good exposure for us, but sometimes mm-hmm. we'll like get a whole comment thread on a YouTube video that's like just people from his channel being like, I came here from Tank Guy. <laughs> that's awesome. So then um, 2018, you released The Depths Below. Um, just out of curiosity, is there a purposeful meaning or even possibly a deeper meaning for your use of the triple goddess symbology the the three stages of the moon on the album artwork yeah um so the entire i mean one one strong theme that we like to incorporate into our music and in particular record by record um is the cyclical nature of everything Okay. Uh, and you know, having, having those three moon phases obviously represents that, uh, 
you have the ocean, which in essence is a big just sloshing thing that um, it is recycling into itself at any given time, like waves right. recycling into other waves, um, life recycling into other forms of life. And that ties into um, our spiritual beliefs and which are now kind of the driving backbone of the band and it's a lot of it's not all, but a lot of the lyrical content. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was our take on it. Like as younger people, I guess like this is before I had really explored it, but I knew it was something that had always like called to me. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't really start like, I mean, I, I had explored those concepts. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't start reading like uh, Dao De Ching, um, until, which is like the book, the fundamental book of Taoism right. until like less than a year ago. Um, just things like that. Like I wasn't doing that back then. So I would not claim that like, Oh, well I was like interested in Taoism <laughs> and listening to Alan Watts when I was 18. Cause fucking no, I wasn't, I was drinking mimosas in a basement. Like <laughs> I didn't get to Alan Watts until I was 24. So yeah. Hey, me too. I just turned 25 in June. I started listening to Watts and, uh, like February maybe. Bro, he changed my life, dude. Like, oh yeah, he's so excellent. And I, it's I feel like there's two types of people. You've got the Alan Watts people, and then you've got the Baba Ram Das people. To me personally, I feel like the Alan Watts is more of like the logical straight shooter, and Baba Ram Das is definitely way more connected to like the emotional aspect of it. And I'm yes, yeah. not emotionally mature enough to be able to consume Baba Ram Das <laughs> the right way, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I, I'm very, like, I, I, my Myers-Briggs test is I'm an ENTJ, um, so I'm very, like, Me too. analytical. Oh, really? Me too, yeah. Look at that. Okay, no wonder it works for both of us. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, like, so that's, I mean, I don't have to explain this to you, but I guess for listeners, yeah, like, that's why I consume information in that way, and that's why I like to read Maybe maybe part of it is like conditioning, like you know, having gone to college and things like that. I think part of it is just kind of embedded and baked into your personality as well. It's a mm -hmm. combo of what you're born with and then your environment that produces nature you. and nurture. Yep, exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah. So taking it back to the depths below. So the whole the whole cyclical element was like fully like put a bow on it. With um, we knew that we wanted. The entire record, and this this is twofold. First, like to really drive home the theme, uh, we wanted to start and end in the same way, and so it starts and ends with the exact same like soundbite of mm -hmm. ocean waves happening. Um, so that if you were like listening to it on on loop, like full CD loop. Yeah. It'll just it'll sound the exact same like it fades out and back into itself. It sounds like it doesn't end. It's just sick. Exactly. Very nice. Exactly. And then from a marketing perspective because you know me like I'll just <laughs> take it that way is from like an auditory standpoint if you hear that sound at the end like you make it to the end of the record and you hear that sound it's going to make you think of the beginning of the record. And how you now want to listen to it again. Is that, the, yeah, you go to the, uh, is that the same noise that they started the record with? And then you just keep playing. You're like, it yes. is. Yeah. Yes. Get and those spoiler extra alert, plays. We, yeah. Spoiler alert. We did that on our <laughs> upcoming record, Enter the Void. It was a little harder though, because uh, it's all themed around a journey into a black hole. 
and you Ooh. can't there's not really a sound for a black hole so we kind of had yeah. to get creative with some synths and artificial elements but i think it i think it came out fucking cra- like it's super eerie and just nuts but it is it, it very clearly and distinctly ends or begins and ends with the same with the exact same sound i have a very unhealthy like i don't want to say obsession <laughs> but like interest in black holes to the extent that like if nasa was like they put out let's say they post to facebook <laughs> hey we need astronauts who are willing to go into a black hole just to let us know what's on the other side i'd be like yeah i'll do it i want to i like, also want to know what's on the other side dude, like, honestly same it'd be you me and matthew mcconaughey oh hell yeah dude <laughs> what what an interesting uh drive that a uh, space shuttle ride that would be oh yeah you've seen interstellar right oh hell yeah i love okay, that movie yeah. so much Oh, it's the best movie of all fucking time. It's so I, I'm fucking such a good. sucker for space movies, dude. Dude, yeah. I mean, like, I'm a huge fucking astrophysics nerd. I, mm-hmm. like, for a minute there in college, was like, do I change my major to astrophysics? But, yeah. Um, and, and I think that's part of the driving force of, like, why this next record is space slash black hole themed is because mm-hmm. I've just always wanted to do that. Um if you it's had become an astrophysicist, you probably just would have become the band Star Set. That's probably what probably <laughs> yeah. We do, we get compared to them quite a bit. They're a great um, band. They're fucking awesome. Actually, the first time I saw Fever, funny enough, was with Star Set and Nothing More in Columbus. Um, Hell yeah. yeah Nothing More is also good. good. I don't fucking know. Like, I guess I just go to bang and lineup shows. I've never been to like a big festival though. Which did that's you on my see bucket list. When nothing more played, did they did the vocalist get on that big weird like scorpion thing? Yeah, dude. Yeah, that, dude. Oh, <laughs> I had no idea what the fuck that was. I was like, is this part of the show? And then he like got on it and it got up. And I was like, if this man dies during this performance, I'm gonna be yes. so upset. <laughs> right. Well, and he's got like that pitch shifter on his voice and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's super crazy. Um. Which, yeah, they, they put on a phenomenal fucking performance. That um, they do. But, uh, yeah, and he, Johnny Hawkins, their singer, he's another one of those guys who's, like, definitely, like, okay, that's, like, kind of pinnacle level for live performance energy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah, uh, and just sound, too. He sounds amazing. Oh, yeah, he's got, he's got really strong vocals. Um, mm-hmm. So, on the topic of the depths below, your song Magnum Mendacium, is that am I saying that correctly? Mendacium. Mendacium. Ooh, I'm not yes. I'm not uh, not <laughs> educated enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> if my Google skills are efficient, uh that's Latin for the great lie. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Tell me how that song came to be. What inspired <laughs> the great lie? Uh so entire track is now i guess i should give some background we knew it was going to be like this big epic song Mm -hmm. uh so it's in three four because every epic song is in three four um can confirm (laughs) (laughs) and we knew that uh it was going to be a lot of gabriel hitting it hard like it was going to be like that and axis were gabe's like two like okay these are like primarily rap songs Mm -hmm. um and I'm happy you brought this up because nobody ever fucking talks about this song. And like, oh, I know it's like my so sister's epic. favorite song. Oh yeah. yeah. Like every time I go back to it, I'm like, damn, I forget about this thing. It sucks. <laughs> cause like we can't really do it live cause we're not like Imagine Dragons and we don't have 20 fucking <laughs> enormous drums to play right. on. But, right. but if we could, um, but yeah. So at the time, so Gabe grew up in a 
very traditionalist, conser- like fairly conservative uh, Christian home. Yeah. Um, but like to the extent that it was like cult like, because like oh, you know, hell no- yeah. Okay. Nothing I mean, against- it's not hell yeah for him, but <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like nothing against, you know, growing up in a Christian home, but like to him it was like, you know, if you miss church one day, you're getting like shunned and all this stuff. And I, I actually used to date his sister. Um, that's how we met, believe it or not. Oh. And um he his sister uh like went to church camp one year mm-hmm. and they like took these pictures from Facebook and cropped out their heads and Asked like a group, just a group of little girls, like, okay, without like knowing anything else about these people, we're just gonna look at these pictures and we're gonna say, are they going to heaven or are they going to hell? <laughs> like, what? They based on that. their bodies? Yeah, like what they were wearing, basically. Oh my so, god. So his sister was wearing a tank top and shorts because it was the fucking middle of summer and it's a bunch of kids hanging out outside like normal kids fucking do. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, all the kids said that she's going to hell, so then oh that's how God. she fell out. Um, and Good for gave, her. I'm, right, I'm sorry yeah. that, that that was such a tragic exit, but it, I feel oh, like yeah. it's probably for the best that you got out of that. Right, 100%. And, you know, Gabe fell out for very similar reasons. So for him... Um, it's like kind of that experience and for me it's i was fully atheist at the time um Mm -hmm. and so it's you know and like i him and i've talked about this before we don't really stand by a lot of the lyrics at this point anymore in terms of like the scorn that is in there but there are things that we definitely like at least that i i'll speak for me that i definitely still stand by in that you know, religion holds the place of it's meant to provide kind of a roadmap on the spiritual journey because, you know, not everyone is able to just jump right into it. You know what I right. mean? Um, not only, not, not speaking simply from like, you know, having the capacity like mentally or anything to do it. Mm-hmm. It's like some people are working three jobs a day and have four fucking kids and they don't even have time. To, right. To they don't have time for their own life. personal life. Yeah. Right. So it's like religion is a way to provide direction. Um, and, you know, it's kind of always been that way. Like you think about the peasants a thousand years ago who work in the fields like 12, 14 hours a day. And then they go to church on Sunday. It's like they're fucking exhausted. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I need you to provide me the guidance and tell me right. what to do. But obviously when you – and everybody fucking knows this, but I'll say it anyway. It's like when you <laughs> – hold something in that high of regard it's very easy for it to become corrupt and for bad shit to happen so yes. the big lie or magnum mendacium and like you know using latin was kind of a way to like really sink the dagger yeah, in, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. was uh was a way of you know pointing that out and also expressing some of the emotional distress that it's caused each of us um mm-hmm. more so him but um in our life well and you know i guess i guess me to uh, an extent too because i feel like the only experience i really with christianity strongly besides going to like christmas mass and just like you know very low commitment things mm-hmm. with family members um is uh is like really intense bad experiences like that that i heard from people and so that caused me to like <clears throat> just throw out all religion for like years entirely and just think it was all complete bullshit 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I was atheist for a long time. And, uh, you know, at, at the, the point that I'm at now, like, I would not say that I am religious. I would call it spiritual. And I feel like that's like a fucking so overplayed cliche. You're thing. You're one of those people, with, like, huh? Right. I'm not religious, <laughs> but I'm spiritual. Like, I, okay. I'm woke. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, like the, the reason I say that though, is because it's more of an internal journey right. at this point, rather than seeking out, like the only reason I, I, I brought up, uh, Dalde Ching earlier. And the only reason I started even reading that at all, or becoming interested in, uh, Taoism is because I was listening to Alan Watts <laughs> and, uh, shout out to he, the man. He brought he brought up, uh, he said three things in a row. He said the Godhead, the Brahmin, and Taoism. And I didn't know what Taoism, or, or sorry, the Tao. Uh, yeah. And I didn't know what the Tao slash Taoism was. So I looked it up and I was like, oh shit, this is exact. Because I started going on an internal, like spiritual journey and mm-hmm. cast aside atheism uh, in May of 2018. Like there was a very like hard, like reset date um, for me. So, and we can talk about that later if it comes up, but I don't want to <laughs> derail the whole thing. So, um, so now it's like I progress inwardly, inwardly and like place puzzle pieces and, you know, like I'll absorb things from science and from religion and from like the woke culture and all that kind right. of stuff um, and kind of formulate my own path, you know, because I think we all have a, a spirit journey that we're on and we have a different thing we have to figure out and different right. ways of figuring it out. Uh, and so now I view things like Tao Jing or even, you know, another religious text, like if I ever decided to like read uh, the Quran or something, um, but as a resource uh, and like a tool for when I need it, you know what I mean? It's not like it's the driving, it's not the thing driving my journey it's something I can use to like, it's like a lock pick that I can use to open a lock. If I ever come to that door, you know what I mean? It's a, it's like a tool in the arsenal. Yes, exactly. Um, and I think the issue is people, I mean, worship is the right word. They worship something like so literally and like day in, day out. And they just accept everything that they're told. Um, like you're just, I hate to use the analogy, but like you're the sheep at that point and you can just be guided whatever direction. You're not really going to question it because these people in power are supposed to have, like be in the aspect of God mm-hmm. um, or, you know, the mm-hmm. gods or uh, however, who, whoever, right. that, you know. Nationalists, we're talking to you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Blind devotion is never good. It's you. It's you're allowed good. to question the things that you follow. You're totally allowed to do that. And you're supposed to because, yeah. uh, and you know, I, th- I think that's one of the silver linings of COVID and, and the entire, uh, 2020, uh, just shit show, crazy shit show election. <laughs> yeah. But the election in particular, because there's just so, and, and, um, all the social justice stuff that happened, uh, last mm-hmm. June, because different new, every fucking diff- news outlet is reporting a different fucking thing. It's like some are saying like the protests are over while others are saying like tires are getting fucking rolled in LA and all this shit. It's yeah. like, how do you know what the fuck to believe? But I think it like opened up tri- and I've noticed this when I talk to people, it's opened up triggers in their minds where they're like, they actually fucking like they, they've created a filter now for when information goes through and they don't just like open it up 
and let everything come through. It's like, oh, I don't know about all that. They sift um, it and they go they do what they're supposed to do is take do their due diligence to do their yes. own like investigating. Yeah. And so now it's like when people don't do that, it really pisses me off because it's like Red no flag. excuses, man. No yeah. excuses, man or woman. Uh like the we have all the resources we need, not only like in the internet and everything, but just your own fucking gut judgment. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's, that's something else, you know, like just with like being in the data age, I think people just don't listen to their guts anymore. Like if there's not a stat to back it, it can't be real. It's like, well, I mean, you could say like, you know, your girlfriend has never cheated on anyone in the past, but if you have a gut feeling she's cheating on you, maybe you should try and figure that shit out, yeah, you know? Maybe, maybe have a conversation. <laughs> so that's, that's the very long roundabout answer of the inspiration behind that song. Thank you hey, again for good. bringing that track up. Hey, you're welcome. But yes, I, I appreciate the thorough, the thorough answer. Now, yeah. on top of that, um, in talking of the great lie, if I can peek behind the curtain for a minute, what would you say is the greatest lie that you've ever been told? Oh. Oh, man. That is a toughie. That's oh. a, this is a vulnerable question. You're about to, if, if you were willing to answer, you're about to divulge some information. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. It's just trying to figure out what the best one is not the best <laughs> but you know what i mean like <laughs> right, 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 right. I, I guess more so the worst but yeah, yeah, yeah. um i mean oh. i could i could answer first and maybe inspire yeah yes okay. yeah yes so to that. me I, like I think the greatest lie i've ever been told was that if you try really hard and you're a really good person everything will work out i was raised <laughs> on disney movies the hero always wins. Yes, he goes yep. through hard times, but he always overcomes it. Life doesn't always work out that way, and I'm kind of mad that that was the like mentality that I was sold <laughs> as a child. Was it, oh, if you just believe in yourself and work really hard, things will work out. That's not always the case, man. Sometimes you work really hard and shit just doesn't pan out. I wish yeah. I would have had. I wit. On one hand, I wish I would have been sold like the real, the real dinner. But then on the other hand, what the fuck would that have done to me as a child to be like, yeah, yeah. hey, son, sometimes things aren't going to work out and life's going to be real shitty right. to you. Like, what would that have done to me? I already have a depressive disposition. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's growing up with Disney. What would have happened if I didn't have that? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like that, that speaks to parents too. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, that's interesting too because it could have – like getting the real answer too early – could have kickstarted a depressive state at a point where you were like very young and impressionable mm -hmm. and really just derailed, you know, your life as you currently know it. Yeah. And that's, um, that's like, that's the, the main, that's like the main point of time travel. Like, Oh, if you could go back and change something, what would you do? It's like, Oh, I would change my parents getting divorced or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, you may, that may be a good thing, but like, that's totally going to change who you are. Like every little yeah. thing about who you are now is going to be totally different. If just watch the butterfly effect, I know, I know it's a movie, but yep. that shit is real. That really, that's oh, yeah. really how it would happen. No, that's, it's very interesting though. And I think it ties back though into spirit journey. I was mentioning earlier, like mm -hmm. you, you are where you're at now because all that shit kind of came out as it was supposed to, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
I think I have an answer. Um, I'm sure I'll think of another one after we're done doing this, but I think mine would probably be, you know, something along the lines of like seeing is believing, or if you can't see it, then you can't believe it. Um, like object permanence? Tying it back into like, like the, like the numerical thing I was talking about earlier, like the data obsession that we have mm. as a society now. And, you know, like if statistically it's unlikely for this thing to happen, then it can't happen. Or if it's quote unquote impossible for this thing to happen, then it can't happen because I don't think anything is actually impossible. And I'm talking like, like, I mean, someone can call me out for this if they want to, but I don't think it's impossible for a human being to make something fucking levitate using only their mind, but it takes a fucking insane amount of conditioning, uh, training, discipline, all this stuff. I was recently reading a CIA paper about this called the Gateway Experience, uh, which was, I can't believe it was fucking publicly released because it's crazy. It's like, basically, they experimented on people and bred like Eleven from Stranger Things, but in real fucking life, and mm-hmm. it is nuts. I'm like, guys, it's fucking CIA told us they did it like i know you don't believe like all the things you call like spiritual mumbo jumbo and all that mm-hmm. stuff but it's like dude the cia fucking said it like is that not enough for you <laughs> everyone wanted to shit talk me when i was a kid saying that mk ultra was real that the government abducted dude, people yeah! and experimented on them with, <laughs> right? with lsd and then what was it a couple years ago they were like yeah we did that <laughs> they just here's yeah. all the paperwork some most of it's redacted but they were like yeah mk ultra is a real thing that we did and like oh yeah and i can't God. remember the book but there's some author who like yeah spent it's like his life is fucking magnum opus is like mm-hmm. spent like two decades or something collecting all that information publishing a book on it are you thinking about uh behold a pale horse by bill what is his name? I almost said Bill Evans, but that's a jazz guy. That's not, that's not who I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what is his name? But uh, it, I know there's a big conspiracy book, a big conspiracy yeah. book by some dude who spent his life uh, fighting the government, and then he died in a, a what do they call it? a shootout at his house because the FBI or somebody came to his house to, like, haul him away, and he was uh, like, uh-uh, you're not taking me. And like, I'll fucking die here. Hell no. Yeah. Yeah, good for him, man. That's bad fucking ass. And it adds more credibility to what he was doing, you know? He's mm-hmm. willing to fucking die for it. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that that's for a lot of reasons the whole like, you know, if you can't see it then you can't believe it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and not like only that phrase, but that thought process is the thing that um is you know, having a very analytical mind and like logical versus uh, like not uh, not to say i have no like emotional intelligence but i would say that like my iq is higher than my eq probably yeah i feel um, the same i was in, yeah. i'm very emotionally stunted yeah yeah and it's like it's definitely like topical like there are certain things that i feel like very in tune emotionally with mm-hmm. and then there are other certain things where i'm like i don't know like like Anytime when we were kids and my sister would get really sad and start crying and be like, I don't really know what to do about this. Like, so I'm just going to like give you a hug. <laughs> yeah, I, I am almost 30 years old and I still approach those uh, instances with what's the problem? What do we need to fix it? And it's like, no, yeah. Chris, sometimes people just want to feel validated. Like they just want to yep. be like, 
They want to be told, hey, that thing you're going through sucks. Like, And that's yes. all they want. They don't want to fix the problem. They don't want to hear about that right then. But my analytical brain is like, yeah, but if you don't solve the problem, the problem's still going to exist, and you're just going to come right back to where you're at. That's exactly <sighs> where my brain goes. And it mm-hmm. takes so much effort to, like, stifle that now yeah um because i didn't like grow up with anxiety or having panic attacks or anything and i'm like very thankful for that but i have had that like th- i i say i'm not like clinically diagnosed with right that stuff, but i've definitely experienced those things mm-hmm. before but like because i've never dealt with them when they do happen or i should say like because I've rarely dealt with them when they do happen. I'm like, what the fuck is this feeling? I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Right. And then it's like from that experience where now I can apply that to when someone else is going through something like that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like this is what I would want when that crazy shit's happening to me. So I'll apply that here and, you know, try and provide that. Right. Uh, It does take that too. Um, but yeah, another long answer to a short question. <laughs> hey, that's it's good. It's good. It's good content. Um, yes. Another song I'd like to crush on for a minute is "Out of My Head." Uh, the delivery of the melodies in this song are so cheerful, yet like also kind of gloomy. Um, tell me about the headspace that that song came from. Yeah, so uh, I think there are two sides of this. Sonically. Um... Obviously, the lyrics are, like, very depressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sonically, like you said, you nailed it right on the head. It's very, like, cheery sounding. Um, and I was just getting into 21 Pilots at the time. Mm-hmm. And this was when Bessel was out, but Blurry Face was not. Um, <clears throat> and I think that had influence on that a little bit, because I think a lot of their songs are, like, schizo-like. They're really upbeat, but talking about really sad shit. So It, it reminds me to- of, uh, what is it, Third... Yeah, Third Eye Blind, Semi-Charmed Life, where it's really upbeat, but it's talking about being addicted to meth. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's that, or uh, there's an old Hollywood Undead. uh, It's called Bullet. It's like, my feet are dangling off the edge. The bottom of the bottle is my only friend. Like, talking about killing himself, like jumping off a rooftop or something crazy. Um, My 12-year-old bops. So, uh... (laughs) (laughs) My co-host Nick, uh... Thankfully, he well, he had this idea when he was a kid that he wanted to get, uh, I think it was H-U tattooed on his arms. And, it, and he was like, I really wanted that as a as a kid, and I'm glad I didn't do it. And I'm like, I'm oh, glad you didn't yeah. either, because I might not be your friend. <laughs> All I would oh, do yeah. is shit on you for that tattoo. Dude, like, going back to their stuff now, like, I still really like a lot of the melodies and instrumentals, but a, mm. lot, a lot of the lyrics, I'm like, oh, this is so cringy. <laughs> yeah, it's early early 2000s for you. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, like, yeah, if you consider it in the context of the time period, it wasn't actually that cringy. Because, like, Bring Me to Life and all that shit's cringy, too. All yeah. that early, like, alt-metal stuff. Yeah, hey, we, we all lived it. We all loved it. It's You're right. still allowed to like it. Well, I get a lot of people. Uh, one of the things that's come up a lot on this podcast is how much like everybody shits on Nickelback, but Dude, I can't. Not bad. Like I, I promise you, anyone that you walk up to knows all the words to at least three of their songs because oh, they were yeah. the biggest band in the fucking world for like a decade. Dude, yeah. I mean, people do that with them. They're now doing it. Well, they've done it with like Creed before too. Um, not that Creed was Nickelback size, but yeah, it's like 
People just like to shit on someone, and if yeah. everyone else is like piling on shit, then they'll bandwagon they'll join. fans. Yeah, yeah. But back to the out of my head thing. Uh, lyrically, <clears throat> that was written. So, I another thing I was never like clinically diagnosed with was depression, but I also never went to see anyone about it. Um, right. And when I, you know, I, I had a period of. I want to say it was like 18 months two years maybe probably probably 18 where um like just speaking from being on either side of it mm -hmm. i was definitely fucking depressed like very bad Not, and like to the extent of like i didn't ever attempt suicide but i would say that i had tendencies like suicidal ideations yeah definitely mm -hmm. ideate a hundred percent like just picturing like what gunmetal tastes like mm -hmm. and like you know like thinking about like what it would feel like to slash your like sorry this is really morbid but just things like that things you should You're not talking be talking to the right thinking. guy yeah and it's yeah. like i think that i'm happy like i'm so happy the whole uh you know stigma of mental health is like being removed and it's like actually being talked about and there's an importance placed on it nowadays because um you know, I think back in the day, thinking those things, and, and like, I guess from my experience, I was like afraid to even say to anyone that I was thinking those things and then say I was depressed because I mm -hmm. thought they were going to be like, oh, no, you're fucking not. You don't really. Oh, have you're any crazy. Problems. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you grew up like in middle class, uh, you know, like pretty, like, my family's not like rich or anything, but like I wasn't starving either. You know right. what I mean? Like, we're, 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 I was fine yeah, <laughs> is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Um, and it's like, I went to college and all that stuff. Like I said, so it's like my life situation was not bad, but to me, I was like, okay, well that means I'm not allowed to be depressed. And like being on the other side of it, I'm like, and like so many people who have it way better than I did are way worse off. Um, listener, and, just so you know, a lot of people have that mentality and it's not good. You are allowed to feel bad. Your yeah. your emotions are valid, regardless of your upbringing, of what you had, what you do have. Mental struggles are mental struggles. You can't compare yourself to others. Yeah, or, or yeah, or what other people are going through. That's mm -hmm. what I would always do. I would compare myself yep. to what other people are going through, and I'm like, oh, I don't have it bad as that person. They're depressed, so I must not be allowed to be depressed. And it's like, yeah. no, dude, you, you can fucking feel what you feel, and I think mm -hmm. that takes it back to what you and I talked about earlier with, like, like struggling more with emotional intelligence i think that includes your own emotional intelligence um at least in my case but yeah to bring it back to the lyrical content of of out of my head so when i pretty much full-heartedly went into atheism um mm -hmm. and it left me feeling very because i i've always been like science is the answer and not to say science isn't the answer like science fucking rocks but it's also not everything um, right. and the thing is like for my entire life up to that point, science and religion slash spirituality were always these opposing forces. And it's like, if one is right about something, then the other must be wrong. It's like the earth is either 7,000 years old or like four and a half billion, four billion or whatever right. it is. Um, and so, you know, like there's this dichotomy in my mind of like, I want to progress towards these softer you know quote unquote softer right. spiritual things or these like hard deadline fact 
scientific things and the science route feels more in line with my personality type. So I feel like I'll just gravitate towards that. I've always heard about bad experiences with religion anyway, so I just kind of like cast it out. Um, and like, and that created, you know, that sense of hopelessness and dread that before and after life, there's just literally nothing. Um, and not nothing in terms of like, you get recycled into something else, like just no form of consciousness and therefore no off. experience. Yep. 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 Yeah, forever. And it's like, well, what the fuck? So, um, yeah, it, like that was the kickstart. And then once I like came to grips with my reality, with like atheism, uh, not being the way, uh, that is when I, started to progress a little bit more um and started like dabbling into like inner journey um mm -hmm. and then like i said may of 2018 I, I went on a study the short version is i went on a study abroad trip to prague in the czech republic in vienna in austria mm -hmm. and it's the first time i had ever left the country and i was there for the first night uh completely alone i got there early because <laughs> the flight was cheaper doing mm -hmm. it that way <laughs> um and um was completely alone and that experience and followed by the rest of the two weeks i was there changed my entire fucking life like it was crazy i'd never been like really like i'm picturing like the crane little toy that you or like the crane machine at like an arcade where you like take the, the claw. claw yeah the claw <laughs> it was like someone did that grabbed me and then fucking just dropped me six time zones away yeah. So far removed from my day-to-day -day situation. That Your normal reality. Yes, that I could take an outsider's perspective on me. It was almost like astral projection without astrally projecting. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I was able to see everything, like every part of my life and every like component of me uh, just like fucking laid on a canvas before me. And I was like, oh, my God all the you have all the answers you just have to make the decision to seek them out mm -hmm. um and so as soon as i made that revelation i i have not had a like strong depressive state since then like obviously everyone has days or a couple of days like it happens and it happens to everybody um especially seasonally i would say i i would not i i would not say at all that i've been depressed since that experience um and that's why that's such a strong part of mm -hmm. the band now too, is because I like I feel like it's my duty now to like provide that message and lesson to other people, or at least give them. I always say like I want to give you the toolkit, and you right. do what you want to do with the tools. But I know about the toolkit, so I feel like it's my responsibility to tell you about the toolkit. I would say that that is a very beautiful like mentality to have but also it's a slippery slope giving yourself the responsibility that it is your duty to give people assistance and relief that could be a double-edged sword and that sometimes it may not pan out the way you want and then you're going to set yourself up for a depressive episode definitely um but there's a quote i'm a really fucking like stupid big fan of the witcher yeah um like read all the books played all the games all that stuff but there's a quote from one of the books and uh, there's a, a dwarf <laughs> named Zoltan Shive who says something. Uh, they're like going through the countryside of this war torn, like war ravaged province. 
Mm-hmm. And um, they're trying to help refugees cause their party to starve and get decimated. Um, and he says something to the effect of, I'm not infinitely altruistic because I know that my altruism is just a drop in a bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't give my altruism to anyone if, you know, like if I sat myself of the energy to give it at all. You know what I mean? Um, I'm very much paraphrasing, but that's what I took from it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I don't feel responsible to give all 7.4 billion people on Earth the toolkit. I only feel responsible to just do what I can do. You know what I mean? So It's a uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink situation. Right, and and I can only do it with so many horses. I right. know that too. Like I, I, I don't try to press it on every single person that I meet. I don't feel like it. And I don't feel like everyone's like this hopeless case either. And I don't feel like everyone even needs it. Um, I feel like a lot of people need it, but, uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's like, it is a personal journey. Mm-hmm. What worked for me might not work for everybody. Um, exactly. but I do know that it got me out of a very depressive slump that came about because I, one, um, I'm just given up on a lot of things. And two, my world flipped upside down by like the other side of this is like, you know, I'm in college and taught, you know, reading textbooks and all this shit and you're believing everything that you're reading yeah and i got exposed to a group of people who like taught me like oh don't don't believe everything like we were talking earlier like question pretty much everything you hear and that like threw me for a loop because i was like how much have i been lied to throughout my whole fucking life oh so Um, you're learning to question ding ding look at that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so so that's that's the the other side of that too is just knowing um how many people have been in a similar position and i think it's a lot i mean just at least in my circles that i am around i know a lot of mm-hmm. people have gone through similar experiences which i guess makes sense but um so knowing that i can do good and provide this toolkit to a pretty large significant group of who would benefit from it hell yeah now, I'm assuming you gig the shit out of the album, uh, <laughs> and you start. You probably started writing for the next release, but then the pandy hit us and killed all the momentum. Was Lockdown conducive to the writing of the upcoming album, or had you already had the material ready? We had all of the material ready except for one song. Um we actually, funny story about that song. It won't release until the album is released, but it's like a flagship song of the mm-hmm. record is what I call it. Uh, we're, it's going to be the last music video from the record. When we promote the thing, it's going to be like the track that is playing as it's like new album out now, all that kind okay. of shit. Uh, and it's called Higher Self. Um, yes, it's, my, it's probably my favorite song I've ever written. Like there's a reason it's, like if it's number one, set me free is number two. They're very close, but I really, really, really do love Higher Self a lot. Um, and uh, we had the full record finished. It's a it it was eleven songs. It is now twelve. Um, and we were like, it's done, and we thought it was done for like six months. And then the way I write songs is always really fucking weird. I don't like sit down and like formulaically do it. Which is actually the way I write songs is very against my per- what you would expect from my personality. It's always just fucking out of nowhere. Yeah, 
I had just gotten into running last year because uh, I'm, I'm pretty avid about physical fitness. I think it uh, plays a pretty intense, intense is the wrong word, but significant pivotal. role, um, yeah, yeah. pivotal role. Yeah. In, in bettering mental health um, mm-hmm. and also just making you productive in all facets of life. So um, I, I started getting into running last year um, and adding it into my like workout regimen. And I noticed in the beginning of running, I was like cramping. My sides were cramping all the time. I read about it and it's because of my breathing. So I was like, mm-hmm. fuck, okay, I got to start running without music and just force myself to get the breathing. Like I'll just listen to my breaths and it was fucking like terrible. Suck it up for like two months and just run with no music and figure it out. And it's gotten better since then. But uh, one of those times I was running, literally, like the hook of this song just like came to my head, like the yeah. melody. Not that I don't, I don't ever really have like the lyrics. And I'll fill it in later with lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh shit. So then my motivation to run was like, fucking finish the route so you can get home and lay some shit down before you mm-hmm. fucking forget it. Um, and I finished the song in like two or three weeks. And sent it to all the guys. It was like, hey, we're single for the third record whenever we get around to it. You dig it? And they're like, dude, this is too fucking good. It has to go on internet. That's going on the next one. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So we a la carte shipped that song out for Mix and Master. And I was like, hey, I know like a little under a year ago, you Mix and Mastered like 11 songs for this record of ours, but can you mm-hmm. also do this one? And we want to add it on. Um, and we work with a guy named Nick Matzkals up in uh, in Michigan. I record everything on our end, actually. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we export stems, and he does Mix and Master. Fucking phenomenal. I could not recommend it. Um, but uh, so he... For the most part, though, to answer your question, sorry, uh, we we were sitting on the record. Um, I want to say we got it mixed and ma- we got it back like pretty much at the onset of the pandemic because we had sent it to him. Uh, we had sent him "Set Me Free" a little bit before that, mm-hmm. and then we had sent him uh, "Andromeda" and "Black Magic" because we knew those were going to be the next two singles. Say so we sent those to him in like. January of 2020, and then we sent him the full record uh, in March, and we we recorded it all beforehand. I was just in the process of mm-hmm. doing some edits, um, and you know, just the the boring back end stuff, so that he could just focus on mixing math. And um, uh, yeah. So basically, from day one of the pandemic really being in full swing, it was like, okay, cool. At least we have like all these songs that we're sitting on, we can start to leak them out. Um, and we've been doing that for a while, and I am as good, basically, because it's at a venue here in Indy called Old National Center, which is, like, biggest concert hall in the, in the city, uh, like, very prestigious. Like, we have to go through Live Nation to get booked there. And so that, it's, like, all— Is that the—does that a, a big building that also has, like, the Egyptian room or something in there? Same, yep. same okay. one. Yep, yes, sir. I know where that place is. Sir, so we'll be in the deluxe there. Um, And so, like, with all these different parties, we have to go, like, a tremendous amount of red tape, but there's enough to where it's, like, monitoring the pandemic was a big part of it. And it's, Mm -hmm. like, if Live Nation isn't doing shows, then we can't do this show. And we, we, it was, like, we're doing it that way. Like, that's how we're doing it. We didn't want to do it any other way. 
Right. Um, that's what we did for our first album release, and it just went over so well. It was, you know, it's like the greatest night of my life. Um, they've maybe that first night in Europe that I talked about earlier, but uh, so it's like it's got to happen that way. The fans want it, we want it. Um, there's just so much like riding on this and so much build up. Like fans have known about this record being in the works for years, and mm-hmm. just want to do it justice and do it right, and that's the way we're gonna. Oh, um, but yeah, and I mean, as you probably know, being involved in the industry, uh, singles are the name of the game right now, which like I don't love, but um, it's singles and like short little EPs just to keep content in people's ears. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, and and I don't, I mean, I don't mind listening to another band's EP, but I've never really wanted to make one, um, and I never have. I've always been a bigger fan of crafting record uh because you can you can create a lot more theatrical and engaging of an experience and it's like a very i i feel like eps fade a little bit faster yeah um like they get more buzz it's 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 the the brightest flames burn out the quickest you know what i mean yeah 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 um albums are a slow burn but they stick with you for like decades Mm -hmm. um and so that's that's kind of the thought process with you know still doing full records even though some people say a full full length records are dead. Um, I I don't personally believe that, but I think we do have to make some concessions, and that's why we are you know we've released uh, how many now six six singles from the record, mm-hmm. um, simply because that's what you have to do to stay relevant as yep. a band. It's not what I would do optimally, but in order to make career out of this like we were talking earlier um and to give you know to be honest as well like just to give fans something <laughs> they've been waiting for so long um it just it's it's kind of the way you have to do business there's a weird like i know i've said this earlier but like there's a it's a double-edged sword the digital age that we live in and the fact that <laughs> the internet moves so quickly like it's Today it's this thing, tomorrow it's this thing. And like this, when you drop an EP, like people will talk about it for maybe like a week, but then someone else is going to drop an EP and they're going to all move their attention over here. So that's why the the EPs and the singles, the multiple releases to stay relevant is so like key now because we've all been conditioned to have uh, horrible attention spans. And like, ooh, this is nice. And like, ooh, but did you see this person over here? Yep. Yep. Exactly. And you know, part of it too is how can you stand out uh, sonically, if nothing else. I mean, from a visual point of view as well. And I, uh, our graphic designer is actually my girlfriend, and she uh, she does graphic design like as a career. So we're very, very, very uh, lucky <laughs> to have that. Little does um, she know it was all a ploy. This is <laughs> you, you. You made her fall in love with you just so you'd be like, "Hey, I need your skills to help my band." Hey. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, it was that, and then she didn't know I was like a baby. Started talking, uh, mm-hmm. and then I let her in on it. Like <laughs> after we started dating. So <laughs> hey, so um, there's this thing I do that you could help me if you wanted. You know, if you loved me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, she loves doing it though, and you know she loves supporting me, and and it's entrepreneurial for her too, mm-hmm. um, and, and she very much is that way. That's part of what attracted me to her is she's like she's a fucking go getter, man. She's awesome. Over the past year, you guys have been dropping singles from the new album, uh, "Enter the Void," dropping on September twenty fourth. 
And let me just say the production quality is stellar. Yeah, I know earlier you had mentioned um, the producer that worked on this album. Yeah, Nick Matzkaus. He's fantastic. Um, you know, he's really good at... I mean, like, I'll do all the... I'll put... We do demos. Um, like, I mean, when we, when we approach demos, we treat them like we treat recording the actual record, like the finals. And actually, there are some takes on the final songs that were like so good in demoing that we're like dude we just gotta we just gotta <laughs> keep it it's yeah. so it's so badass um like the, I, there's one scream in particular on the opening back of the record it's not um mm -hmm. released and won't be till the record comes out but uh there's one scream on there and it's before i even owned this microphone it's actually yeah. on my old like 90 dollars sterling audio like just not good mic like first mic mm -hmm. i ever had uh but the texture of the scream that is is one scream the whole song it was just so just ballsy that yeah. I, I tried to do it probably 20 times once we had the nice mic and gabe and i were like dude we just gotta <laughs> pull that old one and luckily it's a scream so it's like distorted so it's kind of okay that it's on a shittier mic i think and you it's just away with one it. yeah um but yeah it's it's funny going into things like that but anyway so yeah i'll record all of our demos and then i mix and uh edit and mix those um and you know quote unquote master uh mm -hmm. i'm not an engineer in, in those regards but um just enough to where we can listen to it get a feel for what it'll be like and then I can give those to Nick, the mix engineer, mm -hmm. to uh, you know provide something where it's like, okay, this is what we're going for. Obviously, you know, make it sound better, cleaner, all that stuff. Um, and yeah, he just he always knocks it out of the park. He always does a really good job of, you know, seeing the vision that we're trying to paint. And I mean, we've never met the dude in person. Um, I don't even think we've ever even done like a video call with him or anything. We've only talked over email, but he just has a really innate ability to, yeah, take the creative vision, um, and, and roll with it. And I mean, he does some stuff that, uh, you know, there are a few things on the record. Like there are a lot of big, like drum impact sounds mm -hmm. they're called. So like 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 whooshy sounds and shit yeah, yeah, yeah. like he introduced that element to the music uh and we just were like oh yeah that's sweet fucking roll <laughs> with it do that on everything right. <laughs> so, um but i think that he sees the theatrics in what we do and you know finds ways to incorporate that mm -hmm. um you know be it through drum impacts like that or just you know interesting use of of reverbs and things of that nature yeah I can definitely hear the evolution from the previous record, um, and I could definitely see you guys playing w alongside bands like I Prevail, Amity Affliction, Bad Omens. Uh, shit, that's a tour right there. Like, dude, we we actually have played with Bad Omens once oh, before. Shit. Hell but yeah! But it was yeah, yeah. It was uh, we only had the depths below out though. We we played a couple songs from Enter the Void that we had, like Vanguard mm -hmm. and maybe one other one, because we've had Vanguard since like. A long ass time like end of 2018 mm -hmm. but um yeah we played with them they're all nice as hell like some of the nicest dudes i've just ever met period um and so like seeing that because this is like pretty soon after they released um oh god damn it what's their i think their debut record is just self-titled um but after they released that self-titled record before they way before um finding god before god finds me 
Um, so like they were big, but they were still love, coming off the warp tour thing. I love the name of that title, Finding God Before He Finds Me. <laughs> I know, I know. They're great, dude. They're awesome. But yes, yes. Uh them, I prevail. We get, you know, compared to both those acts a lot. Obviously, we get the Lincoln Park one a lot just because there's rap and rock and Yeah. I was gonna bring that up, but I was like, nah, I'm sure they've heard that before. Like Oh yeah, every time. It's not gonna be new <laughs> shit for them. So <laughs> Um, no, we take it in stride, though. I mean, it's a compliment. Chester Bennington is one of the greatest vocalists of all time, or was, RIP. But I would say um, still is. He's just not with us anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, like, to get compared to him and, you know, Chris Cornell and the light, like, it's like, yeah, man, I'll carry the torch, all that, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, from what I've heard of the new record, the tracks that you've released, uh, they make it seem like this new record is very introspective, like very self a very self-reflective record. Was that a purposeful direction or is um it it was very intentional that it that the entire thing be introspective um and kind of that inner self journey that I've been you know hinting at just throughout this entire thing um you know we we started the band as an endeavor to create a unique sound i think mm -hmm. um you know blending the rap and the rock and the metal and the e d m and the dance hall and all that and just create something, you know, like I was talking about earlier, um, just creating something that's like, Whoa, I've never heard anything like that before. Mm -hmm. And then once we, you know, the depths below is like our coming of age record. Um, and it, I completely agree with you where there is a huge level of maturity that you can hear in all the songs from the new record as compared to the depths below. Cause it, that record was an experiment where we were trying to find our sound and what I always say is enter the void is us having that sound and just refining it. Mm -hmm. um, and now that we like had the sound, when we started writing this, uh, that in combination with the spiritual journey and all of that, that I started walking, um, you know, it became, okay, what do we want this band to be? And right. again, the conversation we had about, you know, providing the toolkit inner self-actualization um and embracing you know the connection that i hold with you and the rest of the natural universe and you know higher dimensions of being and how we interact with those and the interplay in our daily lives all that like it's it gets so fucking meta and it's oh, like yeah. okay it's like let's just distill it into you know a, a short brief sonic experience Still, you know, the emotional impact that all of that has to still, you know, the process of self-discovery and to still uh, in a couple songs like the at like get into the meta of it mm -hmm. and talk about that. And those are the more like conceptual songs, um, a lot of which have not been released at all because they're, you know, I think they're single worthy, but others might not. They're more part, you know, like the intro, the outro, like little transit, like Magnum and Dachium. Yeah. B-sides and rarities, huh? Yes, B-sides yeah. and rarities. Oh, yeah. Uh, sp I think uh, you were talking about meta and being of the relationship between the connection between everyone. And I want to say it was Carl Sagan, but I could be wrong. It could very easily have been Alan Watts. I often get uh, – I'm really bad with quotes and who said them. But one of those – somebody said um, – <laughs> You are the universe experiencing itself. Like yes, yeah, I over want, and over again. Yes, yeah. yeah. I I, I want to say that 
Alan Watts, yeah. I want to say it's Alan Watts too, but because this is recorded, <laughs> I have to be like, eh, because somebody's going right. to be like, oh, you fucking idiot, you're wrong. <laughs> it was not Carl Sagan. Well, excuse me. Right. I can't think yeah, of I'm the, I'm the same way, man. Like, I try to pull quotes out. And, like, I know the quotes. I, I guess I should say I know, like, the message of the quotes, but right. ripping them out verbatim, like, I'm always going to paraphrase it on accident. Like, even I, singing other people's songs, like, just yeah. – in, in the car, I'll replace words with like similes of the word just because mm-hmm. that's how my mind works. Yeah. I, uh, it, and it makes me mad because like all of the, uh, how do I say this? Smart quotes, I can't remember, but then I can remember dumb quotes from Anchorman. Like, Dude, yeah. No problem. <laughs> like, oh, you only remember dumb shit. Like, well, kind of, yeah. A <laughs> little bit. Kinda. Dude, I'm the exact same way. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's it's funny you bring up the uh, you are the universe experiencing itself over and over again. That's one thing that I don't really get to say this a lot in the music, but that I like to talk with people about when I'm mm-hmm. you know going down that rabbit hole is yeah, like you are, we are the and I mean I guess I do say this in Vanguard. Uh, I am the universe and I am you. Yeah. Because we're all the same thing. We're just an expression, a different expression of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are the ocean. We're just different ripples. So right. we have these impacts on each other where maybe I'm a little wave out by California and you're a little wave in the Indian ocean and we're never going to like make physical contact, but the influence is going to carry over, mm-hmm. uh, be that, you know, taking it back to like what we're actually talking about being, you know, a physical thing like, Oh, I cast a vote for, you know, xy representative or whatever and then Mm -hmm. the policy affects you or i just fucking project something into the universe like the the and you know to conceptualize that i always use the concept of death wish like when someone's on their deathbed and they have something that they like didn't get to accomplish and they wish it into being Mm -hmm. uh it's like sending it's like like if you had a fan and then the universe is like a paper in front of it and you turn the fan onto like high setting and the paper ripples more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that, that's, that's projection at its finest. Like that's how you can kind of distill all that into a single grain. It's like, here's the most basic core obvious example of this because then people, you know, will interpret that as like a ghost. You know what I mean? Like, right a ghost in the afterlife. And that's the beautiful thing about all of this ideology is like, it's like, yes, it's like, I would, (laughs) I wouldn't call it that, but hell yeah, you can call it that. And like, I wouldn't call like divinity God. I call it the source. But when you say God, I'm like, Oh yeah, we're just talking about the same shit. We just call it different things. You know, in the matrix, they called him the architect. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) God, I fucking love those movies. Oh man. I really like those movies too. (laughs) I, uh, Damn, there was something I was going to say. You were just talking about. Uh, oh, yeah, ghosts. Um, yes. I've recently come into the the belief that I no longer think that ghosts are um, after images of people's lives. You know, I have yeah. now come, now that I've been watching more. I'm going to be honest with you. It's because I've been indulging in a lot of sci-fi stuff. I've been coming more to the grips of an understanding or a belief, I should say, because I don't know it's true. A belief that when you see, quote-unquote, ghosts, it's really just the uh, the fabric of 
what we perceive as time stretching and because all of time has already happened we just perceive yeah. it in a linear way what you're seeing is the fabric spread and you're being able to see somebody who was who was alive and yeah I yeah i i find that fascinating but also really unsettling that like the notion <laughs> that everything has already happened we yep. our brains only perceive it in increments and it's like right oh, that gives me so much anxiety oh for for sure but it's also i feel like on the flip side there's a comfort in it too because I feel like that reinforces the whole, you know, everything is meant to happen in the way mm -hmm. it does because it just has, has happened already and you're just walking the track now. It's like you're just playing out the script. Yeah, but uh, then with, with that notion, <laughs> there's no free will, right? There is because you also wrote the script if you are the universe. That's true. Are, that's see, true. It's, it's this weird that's, – that's the, that's the interesting thing about um, – I'll take it back to Dal De Ching – uh the it like opens with the knowable the knowable Tao is uh not the not the almighty Tao and uh goes into like you always endeavor to understand it but you never can right and it's just it basically it's like 80 or so pages of just contradictions the entire time <laughs> <laughs> but like if you you know what i mean though like if you're yeah. if you're starting along that line like if you don't believe in any of this shit you're gonna be like oh yeah that's stupid as hell listen to these but if fucking you're like, hippies <laughs> right yeah these fucking yuppies out here <laughs> but if you're walking that path you read it and you can take the perspective of like oh shit like i totally get it i totally mm -hmm. get it yeah so that's interesting you say that though. That's an interesting perspective, and I've not heard it like framed in that way before about being like kind of an an eye tearing into you know because space time is a dimension. Yeah. Um. So it's really like interdimensional interaction at that point. Yeah. Don't even get me started with interdimensional interaction because then I'll start <laughs> spilling off my uh, conspiratorial beliefs on how Bigfoot. <laughs> is real but he is from another dimension and he just sometimes comes into ours that's fucking crazy i've I never heard some shit like that man to be real i've never i've never dropped acid or done lsd or anything like that and i've talked to people a lot of people who have about this kind of stuff and they're always shook so i mean like people are always shook they're like you've not how do you know all this i'm like i don't know dude i just like take time like take time in quiet like i just turn shit off and think for a little bit mm -hmm. and i feel like you can get there on your own you know what i mean yeah but it's just I, a lot harder and it requires i was going to say those things do fucking kickstart it for sure mm -hmm. is yeah. yeah yeah um to go back to i don't want to get i don't want to do a joe rogan thing and end up talking about conspiracies and interdimensional <laughs> beings for two hours sounds good so let's go back to uh enter the void um yes. so listener you don't know this you won't know this but this is actually part two of this interview because uh the power went out and we had to reschedule the the rest of what i had to talk about <laughs> so the other day yesterday at work i was re-listening to your uh the new singles and human connection came on and i love the vocal melodies in that song so much that i had that song on repeat for two hours my guy like i thank was, you i was thank trying to much. like one of the things i really get wrapped up into is 
one vocal melodies and two like lyrics and i really enjoyed both of those so much that i was trying to like master the vocals melodies myself so i'm just yeah. at work re-singing the same song over and over and over and i'm really glad <laughs> i work by myself um i well, hear a lot of much. genuine emotion in that song the riffs and the aforementioned vocal melodies all come together in a really consumable way yes yeah thank you and i mean the writing that track let me tell you the story behind writing that track please please because do. A lot of people have asked, you know, is this written about COVID? Was it written during COVID, during quarantine? I mm -hmm. know uh, it was written on that trip I talked about in 2018. Yeah. In May. That song can't, well, I say written, it was like mentally written. I didn't like sit, I didn't have my laptop and guitar over there. Um, it was theorized. In, in Europe. Yes, yeah. but like, and lyrically, lyr like the melody came to me and everything else, because everything just kind of comes at once. And I was like, okay, I'm going to whip out the notes app on my phone, mm -hmm. put some shit down. And then, so I did, I wrote the chorus, and then I started writing the rest of it. And it was, you know, it all started on that night that I was there alone in mm -hmm. uh, Vienna that I talked about. And I don't speak like any German at all. I know like, six words of German and that's what all of the people in Austria speak. Yeah. Um, and the first <laughs> night I was there, I was walking alone, um, just exploring. And I walked and this is like I said, first time in a foreign country at all. Um, let alone a foreign country where everybody speaks a language I don't speak. Right. Um, and I'm walking park at the middle of night. And I think typically, you know, you would feel afraid. I mean even today walking through a dark park here in indiana i would probably mm -hmm. be like at least on edge enough on you know to, sure. yeah like on my summon, toes like <laughs> i gotta summon the spirit of jason Bourne so i can be like or john wick but i was walking and i was hearing you know conversations happen but not understanding any of right. what was being said but I felt really comfortable because the, there were all these people who I knew I was never going to interact with, who I knew I probably had very little in common with. Um, I didn't even speak their language, mm -hmm. but I felt like, and again, taking it back to, this is like me being removed from, I felt like I wasn't Joshua in this stage. I felt like I was just an observer and I felt just this inherent, I'm going to use the word again, but connection with all of these individuals mm -hmm. um, in a way that I couldn't describe. It was like genetic, you know, and that's why the DNA is the, right. is the single cover artwork. Um, and it's, it, it, it was like into my very being in my bones mm -hmm. um, that, you know, I felt like I made me feel like you can belong anywhere like you can find a sense of belonging anywhere because that's something you create in your own mind and you know that on its own if i could like give that to like six, 15 16 year old me oh man mm -hmm. <laughs> game changer but <laughs> but um no it, it it and then it escalated where then my girlfriend uh who i live in my house with um she and I were both on that trip. We went to school together, and uh, that's like when we kicked it off was later on that trip because, like, you know, there had always been something there, 
But then when you're in a romantic city like Prague, like how's it not going to come out? Right. So, so it comes out and like, I'm going through all this shit spiritually and I'm making all these, you know, uh, connections in my mind. And then I start thinking of how my mind is developing. And then I start thinking about how the mind is like a parallel version of the universe they function very similarly like if you've ever heard like the godhead theory but not like the godhead is in like the holy trinity but like right. the godhead is in like we're living in the mind of like the divine being um, yeah, yeah. so i mean if you look at like cellular architecture you see very similar things in the architecture of nature you know like the way rivers form way forests grow all that the way um, nebulas look in space they look a lot like yep. the human eye exactly yeah it's just micro and macro scale mm -hmm. and so I, all this is happening i'm realizing like in my mind like okay like a, a relationship between one person and another person is like a synapse forming between two neurons in a brain it's very very similar because like now a bond has been formed and no matter what happens that bond will remain it's like how someone be, stays a part of you Right. After, you know, you've split or the person passes away or they move mm -hmm. away or whatever. Um, you know, I think physically there's truth in that. And then I think just in terms of the impression that the right. person left, there's like a stain on you now that you can't wash off. To quote John Mayer, you will live forever in me. There we go. <laughs> I don't know if I quoted John Mayer earlier, but I'm gonna, that's a new thing I'm going to try and do. I'm going to try and find some way to bring up John Mayer every episode. <laughs> Hell yeah. John Mayer, Alan Watts, and Costco. Oh my God. Bro, speaking of, oh my God. Okay, so we talked about Costco on the last episode, right? The next day, I got an email from Costco of course saying, you did. Damn hey, it. <laughs> uh, we can give you like this free uh, $90 off of something. And I was like, bro, they're fucking listening to me, dude. Oh, dude, they're all listening. God, they're all listening. fucking bastards. I was like, no, uh, Costco, <laughs> I don't want some of your San Pellegrino water. Oh, uh, but you do. But you He do, said, but you do. <laughs> you do. It's worth it. It's interesting. Sorry, side note. I'll make it last 30 seconds, though. It's interesting, like, having a marketing background, how consumers, myself included, all that invasive and intrusive uh, marketing that you get, if you if it's something you're like legitimately interested in, mm -hmm. you're like okay with it. But then if it's something you weren't really interested in, you're like, oh, what the fuck? They're stalking me, like right. all this shit. You know what I mean? Like if I'm Team Xbox and I get a PlayStation ad, I'm like, fuck Sony, they're listening <laughs> to me. But if I get like yeah, a yeah. Game Pass ad, I'm like, hell yeah, Bill Gates, take my money. <laughs> See, and that's the like that's the. Uh the duality of this technology we're gonna get sidetracked it's fine i don't even care i enjoy these <laughs> conversations i like the idea that this technology can learn what i like so that it can find and show me ads for things that i would like to consume but on the other hand i don't want it to know me that well to be like hey we heard you were talking about microphones this one's pretty good you should check it out and then i'm like yeah okay yeah i did i did I should look at this, but don't don't tell me what to do, computer. Don't, right. Don't fucking don't do that. Don't tell me what to do, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. It's like no, I completely get it. I enjoy the. What's the word I want to? I enjoy the. 
Like convenient? Convenience, that's it. I enjoy the convenience of it, but I also am afraid that it's going to take away my free will. Because yes. it's going to know what yeah. I want, and it's just going to be like, here you go. Before you even, like, followed through with that thought, we have the answer for you already. I'm like... There's literally a comedian. There's a stand-up on uh, Netflix. I can't remember his name. Um, he's a, he's an Eastern Asian guy, and he is fucking hilarious because he just makes fun of Americans the whole time. Mm-hmm. And there's one where he's talking about Amazon, and so you know, like how you can get your shit like the same day. Mm-hmm. And he goes into talking about like Amazon now, and he keeps saying Amazon now, like right now, right now, <laughs> all that shit. But then he's like, and with all the shit they know about you, like, and then says exactly what you just said about um, you know them knowing what you want before you know what you want and he's like and then we're gonna call it amazon before amazon before (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's scary but also um really cool because i feel like within our lifetime we will be in what we grew up thinking uh as the future not necessarily flying cars i doubt that'll happen we have there's some cool things I saw a dude on TikTok fly through the city of the streets of New York on a literal hoverboard. It was like a giant drone with like eight like little propellers underneath like it. Fan things. Yeah. Bro, he looked like the fucking Green Goblin flying through New York, dude. <laughs> he was terrifying, but also yeah. kind of cool. But yeah, I'm excited and terrified for the future. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's going to make living minimalistically very difficult. Simply because you're, like, so conditioned to consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like, as long as you have discipline in it, then it's okay, I would say. But I, I, I just think it's it's hard to discipline yourself when, you know, you're constantly exposed like that. Yeah. I uh, may or may not have accidentally <laughs> convinced myself that I would be totally cool with The Matrix um, oh. yesterday in the shower. <laughs> I don't know how it came to be, but if I think it came down to, I was like, how do we save the planet? Oh, well, the things that humans do the most that ruin the planet is excess food and the, just the manufacturing industry, just making garbage that we don't all need. And then what they get, what they do with the excess, they just throw away. There's no, they don't actually do away with it in a uh, sustainable way. And I was right. like, well, how do we get rid of those? I'm like, well, if we were to be <laughs> plugged into something and we were just fed those, the dopamine and the chemicals in our brain, like, oh, this, this is food, or, oh, this is a comfy couch. Those feelings can be replicated in your brain. So oh, yeah. Get rid of all the physical stuff. And then on top of that, you could have everything you wanted in a virtual world. Like, if you wanted the biggest couch, you could just, you know, however many credits, boom, you downloaded, now it's in your fucking living room. But, and then on, with that, we could clean up the environment, and then you could unplug, and you could go hiking, or enjoy, well, I don't know if I want to let people out there, because they'll just ruin it again. I haven't, right. I haven't thought this idea totally through yet, but <laughs> I think I might be pro-Matrix. Might be on to something. Yeah. There, there's an interesting theory of civilization and the way society progresses mm-hmm. where um and this this like ties into multiverse theory where eventually every civilization is destined to do like exactly what you're describing mm-hmm. where it creates like its own utopia but in a virtual uh like you upload your consciousness mm-hmm. into a virtual like like some west world type shit 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Any of that. Yeah. Um, into a, uh, into a, into a construct, a constructed Mm -hmm. virtual universe. And that, that is what we are in now is a is part of a construct. And therefore when our society progresses to that final level, Mm -hmm. we then create another universe, which parallels the previous one. And that's how multiple universes are created is that domino effect over and over and over and over again. And if you have multiple societies, you know, like speaking like aliens, like alien right. society in this simulated universe, they would reach the same thing. And that's how you get like the branching out. So like mm-hmm. one universe can create, uh, you know, a hundred other ones. Right. It's through I think different it was, societies. I think it was Alan Watts once described the like, um, how he explained multi-dimensional stuff was like, imagine a spider web. Now imagine dewdrops on that spider web. The dewdrops will reflect the spider web and the things around it, thus creating another yes. like replication inside the dewdrop. But the other dewdrops also reflect all that. So each thing is just creating millions and millions of other mm-hmm. like realities, quote unquote. Yeah, but it's all a reflection of the original spider web. That's right. the other interesting thing mm-hmm. too. Is it's like, what if the original spider web was different? It's like you know, because telephone. yeah, yeah. Because if we're a hundred layers deep right now, we can only base our, you know, our universe off of the one that came before us, mm-hmm. and so forth. And yeah, it's exactly like a game of telephone. It's so fucking weird. <laughs> and then on top, well, not necessarily on top of that, but it also makes me think like. You know, if the universe is that way, like, I think in the grand scheme of things, Earth is relatively young in the, like, span of the universe. Like, think of right. – we're, we're all very aware that life on other planets is plausible. Like, it's not just fucking Earth that is the Goldilocks. <laughs> like, only things can grow on Earth. You're Listen, you're stupid if you think that, and I'm sorry if you're really smart, <laughs> but I think that's a stupid way to think. <laughs> they, we are so good that we're the only living things in the universe. But I would agree with you. <laughs> I think it's so crazy. In being so young, like, what about things that have been alive for centuries, fucking light years longer than we have? Like, how far advanced are they? Are they just, they have just totally removed themselves from a corporeal being and they are literally just like, light or just a <laughs> like a mass of energy that floats around like bro this the possibilities are limit are limitless and uh, once again it stresses me out oh for sure yeah and that's what that's like that's when it comes back to you can only focus on like one step uh, one step at a time put your foot forward keep going because if you get like too lost in the sauce yeah there's uh it's like the dweller on the threshold kind of thing thank you so much for also using the term lost in the sauce i (laughs) always say that because i think it's so funny and everybody laughs but nobody else says lost in the sauce Oh, dude i love it i use it all the fucking time (laughs) oh man all right well that's probably enough fucking existential shit (laughs) yeah let's let's see how many how many listeners we retained through that Right. One person will be super into it. Yeah, if you're still listening, hit me up, bro, because I want to talk to you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We can have a conversation. Now, let me scroll back down. Um, Human connection. Um, I also really enjoyed the message in learning to question, which I made a joke about earlier in the episode because it just (laughs) happened to come up. 
Um, I really love, and you know what's crazy? I was gonna say this when we when you brought that up because you verbatim said the thing that I wrote down, and I said I really love the fact that mental health is now more of a mainstream topic and is no longer a keep it to yourself attitude. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that track, I mean, it's like twofold. It's uh, first, it, it kind of follows suit of Out of My Head, where it's mm-hmm. like, it is upbeat and peppy, but the lyrics are dealing with like some serious shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, one, being stuck in a rut due to like being in a routine, you know, working the nine to five, um, in, you know, trap, feeling like you're trapped in a situation because you've got like bills and all these other burdens and shit. It's like, how the mm-hmm. fuck do I. Taking it back to like the person with the four kids and the three jobs, it's like, how do I work on myself at all when I got to worry about all this other shit? Right. Um, and then it brings it into uh, filling that void with some sort of substance. With like, you know, for me, it it's alcohol, and it's like I, I would not go on, I would not go out saying like, oh, I'm an alcoholic. Like, I, I drink on Fridays and Saturdays, and socially typically but to me yeah yeah but still it's like and like covid i started like trying it on my own and that's when i started like you know thinking okay maybe this is like an issue so so i scaled it by yourself yeah yeah Yeah, like you know just like playing xbox or like uh watching a tv show or whatever Mm -hmm. like just having a couple beers that kind of thing and i like always wanted to not fall into that because mm-hmm. I've seen firsthand the lethargy and the, you know, start t- two, then it goes to four and then it goes to right, six yeah. and then it goes to a case and, you yep, know, and like the element of stasis that comes along with that. And it's mm-hmm. like, I never wanted to end up that way. Um, and I could feel myself like avoiding my responsibilities and saying like you know like oh it's because i'm hungover or oh i'm like too drunk to do that now mm-hmm. and it's it's like it was like a secondhand excuse because it's not it was never oh i don't want to do these things it was oh now i can't because this that and that and i was like i finally like you know took that outsider perspective again i was like no 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 you're just like drinking so that Mm -hmm. you then don't have to blame yourself and eat the blame and it's like you know better than that tisk tisk josh and so then i wrote the song and that's yeah essentially what it's about and the ending you know culminates into now that i've made that observation of myself i've seen that in tons of other people and i just want you know xyz person to know Mm -hmm. like hey just reach out like especially to someone who's been through it and all you need is a hand a lot of the time, you know? We are social creatures, and we are stronger in groups than we are alone. I know a yes. lot of people are stubborn, like me, who don't <laughs> like to admit that, and I prefer to try and do things on my own. Sure, I can get it done, but I could get it done in a lot less stressful ways when I have yeah. friends or loved ones around me to d- help me get along with it. To back up on your uh, statement of... The lethargy and things that come with the drinking. The disease of addiction is a very clever beast. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it has a very, I want to make this more uh, grandiose than I don't want to just be like, oh, it's really bad. No, I want to say yeah. <laughs> the scale in which it can 
manipulate your cognitive ability to one think reasonably like it can you will think reasonably but it is almost like it puts a lens over your eyes to where you can't actually see the truth you're still seeing you the blinders on but it yeah. is distorted and it keeps you it helps you make excuses it's such a pitfall and to those of you struggling with addiction let me tell you right now go reach help i know i've talked about it on the show um i've mentioned it a lot i used to be a method like it is a very dark and scary place to be at and sure i i if anyone ever asked me hey chris if you could go back and change anything would you no i wouldn't because going through that made me the person i am today sure it fucking sucked yep. but if you're in it right now you gotta i know the old adage you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink <laughs> but i'm telling you man it's 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 a lot easier on this side of it. It's a lot easier. Yeah. It, and I, I mean, I completely agree. Like whenever people ask me like, you know, you have any regrets or whatever, it's always no, because I am who I am because mm -hmm. of everything that's happened before. And you know, some shit that's happened to me, I've done some shit that's happened to me. Others have done, mm -hmm. or just the world in general. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's all about how you decide you're going to get through it, you know? So, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, to anyone going through it, you know, it's like anything else where the one, the one variable you can really control at any given time is your attitude and how you're going to mm -hmm. treat a situation, you know? So are you going to, are you going to let it consume you or are you going to take it by the fucking nuts and throw it show out the way? Yeah. Right. Show, show who's boss. And you know, that's, that's way easier said than done. Absolutely. And again, I can't speak from that specific scenario by any means, but mm -hmm. coming from the alcohol side of it, you know, it's like, it's tough too. Uh, if you're hanging out with circles who endorse it, you got to get out. Even if, if you think you're, they're your best fucking friends, you got to get out because it's toxic and it's killing you, literally killing you. It desensitizes you to the note, to the fact that like, it does do harm to your body like excessively yeah. like i am i am kind of also not kind of i am actually a proponent of i think most drugs are no i'll go out and say i think all drugs are fine in moderation like as long as you can take care of your responsibilities and take care of yourself then what you do in your free time is none of my business it's when you start using these substances to cover up your problems a lot of the times right. they it stems back to emotional something there's some sort of emotional connection that you're missing in your life and people use these substances to fill that void but it's not well the human body is so great that if you do it <laughs> enough it builds up a tolerance so you just have to keep doing more and more yeah. and more yeah. and the consumption of these chemicals one normally fucks up your life and messes up your body thinking especially alcohol like you said alcohol is one of the few substances that withdrawals can and will kill you yep yep yeah yeah it's so wait like the story behind alcohol is just a weird thing you know like it started as like ancient kings fucking taking little doses to condition their bodies to being able to consume poison like you know poison the the water that shit like just nuts that's you know so cool. that's so and then it that and they... but then it's right yeah it's fucking sweet but then like you know you know you know the rest of the story how they're like oh that's kind of fun and, 
You're like, hey, this makes there. everything more interesting. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's probably that way with everything, you know? Like, when the first fucking native person smoked a pipe of weed, just all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree. Like, all of it is, can be good in moderation, like, when used in the correct way. Like, mm-hmm. me personally, I try to be more of a purist. Um most of the, like, you know, now, I, I will say now, I've not always been that way, but now, mm-hmm. um, not, by purist, I don't mean straight edge, because I still drink. I'm wearing literally an Appleton rum shirt right now, <laughs> which is a <laughs> distillery in Jamaica. Um, but you straight edge nerds shouldn't be listening to me, because I'm everything <laughs> you hate, so. Boo, yeah. Boo, straight edge. <laughs> I'm kidding, <laughs> if that's your lifestyle, if that's your no, lifestyle, seriously. more power to you, but. But, uh, no, like, so, I mean, I still do that shit casually, mm-hmm. but by purist, I mean, like, I don't try to make, like, that internal progression by a, a drug-driven path, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like. Like what you're saying, and I completely agree that like, you know, microdosing acid, for example, can just fucking really just like get you to level three right out the gate mm-hmm. of that kind of a journey. Um, but I don't know. I, I've always been the type who's like, nah, I just want to kind of start from ground one, just fucking <laughs> grin and bear it the whole way. So yeah. that's my personality type, and that's just kind of how I've always done it. That's too tough for me. Josh? This has been a very enlightening and very uh, fun talk. I I think we've really delved into each other's psyches pretty well to the point to where I think we're dating now. So you might want to tell your significant other that you've got a new partner. That's just how it goes. Hey Sarah, we're uh, we're done. We're poly. We're poly now, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. I hope you like your new boyfriend. Hey, I have pretty hair, and I come with a cool cat, and I've got a great record collection, yo. So. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm allergic to cats. I don't know if this is going to work. We're going to make you not allergic to this one, okay? This we're going to condition me. We're a package deal. We come together. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. What's his or her name? Um, His name is Kitty, so it's really easy to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Kitty Cat. Got yeah. it. Hell yeah. yeah he was he was uh, initially named Shenlin, which is Mandarin for forest, but guess what he doesn't respond oh, to? Nice. That. Shit but he responds real well to Kitty, so that's where we're like, all right, <laughs> Kitty it is. Fair enough. <laughs> Hell yeah. So now the last couple things we like to do is where can the people find and follow all the antics of Normandy? Yes, uh, our website, www.normandy, that is N-O-R-M-U-N-D-Y, dot com. Uh, we got all of our music on there, you know, bio, merch store, um upcoming tour dates all that good stuff super professional if you wind up on a place that's talking about a country you spelled the band wrong okay you're in france (laughs) (laughs) you're in france so if you would like to find actually where can people listen to you are you guys uh, everywhere music is streamed yep everywhere under the sun uh as far as i'm aware at least but yeah spotify apple music amazon Bandcamp, soundcloud youtube all that yep oh yeah that's that's normally do you guys have like a distribution service that you use or is it we just use distro kid yeah yep the classic man bro it's such a (laughs) such a genius like company to come up with like hey for cheap i'll distribute your music to all of the places 
Oh, and unlimited uploads, like yeah. now, especially in the age of singles, it's mm -hmm. like you don't have to worry about paying each time you do it. It's like, mm -hmm. what, 30 bucks a year or something? It's so Dude, fucking cheap. So, yeah. Shout out to DistroKid. I hope we don't find out some really damaging information about the creator a couple years down. I know. <laughs> DistroKid is a godsend, bro. Oh, it's so good. Um, if you would like to find us, Toon Junkies Podcast, you can find us on, po uh, oh my gosh, on Facebook, on in on Facebook at Toon Junkies Podcast, Instagram at Toon Junkies Podcast, Twitter Toon Junkies Pod, but we don't really use that, so don't be surprised if you go there and there's nothing there. Um, Nick, who you didn't meet, you'll probably meet him at the your show on the 21st, um, but his Instagram is pulp.nixion. His Twitter is make Dameron sure, and his uh, TikTok is the old Nick Twist. Um, and then for me, if you would like to reach me, you can leave me alone. But if you must be involved in my life, you can follow me on Instagram at Chris and Kitty, or on TikTok at Dat Boy Pit Six. Um, <laughs> bro, it took me so long to memorize all that fucking shit. So those names are fucking amazing, though. dude. I know Nick is the each band who like he hasn't been here, and I would like spout them off. They're like, bro, his handles are so great, and I'm like, I they're know so they're so clever. <laughs> Make, dude, he was really proud of Make Dameron Sure when he came. He was like, bro, I changed my Twitter bio, my Twitter handle. I was like, what is it? He goes, Make Dameron Sure. I'm like, oh my, You're like, you bastard, dude. That's too good. <laughs> Get oh, yeah. out. It's too raw. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so and then one of the last things, what kind of shows do you have coming up? Yeah, we've got uh August twentieth, Fort Wayne with our friends in Shallow Side. Uh August twenty first, we've mentioned this briefly, but Mishawaka, Indiana, that's gonna be Rock the Rescue, a benefit concert with a bunch of big bands, Shallow Side. A War Within, some others, um, and then we've Reckless got... Revival, who, as of the release of this episode, you will have heard on the show last week. There you go. Yeah, plenty of super solid artists there mm -hmm. doing it for a great cause. Uh, September 10th in Red Key, Indiana. Uh, we'll be with a few friends out there. And then the big one, the big banger, October 9th, Indianapolis, Indiana, at the Old National Center is our album release. Uh, enter the void, the live experience. It's going to be the craziest fucking show. We're doing an hour and a half long set playing Damn. 16 songs, I think. Um, basically the entire Enter the Void record minus mm -hmm. like one track, uh, which is like a transitionary kind of track. Um, it's going to be theatrical. It's going to be huge. Anyone who came to our first album release show knows kind of what they're in for, but we're really just taking it to a fucking another level this time, and it's going to be unlike anything we've done before. Our friends in Shallow Side will also be there, along with Karma Kids and Takers, uh, a couple locals from Indiana. So we're very much looking forward to that. Hell yeah. So then the very last thing we like to do is we like to uh, kind of just give shout-outs to bands we've been listening to recently. So you pull out whatever streaming service you use and let the people know what you've been listening to lately. Yeah, a uh, couple indie locals. Uh, Exit Wounds, really fucking good one if you're into heavy music. They just dropped an EP a couple weeks ago. Um, like, really fucking heavy, but really good. Like, A1 gym music. Um, there's another band from here called Relics as well. They're really, really nice guys. Uh, and they Same thing. Pretty heavy, like, metalcore. 
Um, Takers, who's going to be on our release show, another metalcore band, and then Karma Kids, they're like pop punk. They just did a song with Kelly Quinn uh, not too long ago. So, yeah, so if you're into like new MGK and that kind of stuff, they're really, really good. Um, Bigger bands, uh, Nothing But Thieves, one of my favorites. They just dropped a new EP. They're fucking awesome. Uh, Can't go wrong with Architects. That's like A1, like my go-to, you know. Um, those are all the big ones right now. And Inner Shikari, always best nice. band of all time. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, let me see. I gotta go through some stuff. So, given that the news of uh, Joey Jordison's passing, I know this will come out uh, the week after the news broke, but I've been like really reflecting on like how much of a impact that man had on my life. It just with yeah. not just with Slipknot, but like he was in another band that I really loved too called Vimic. I never heard anybody talk about Vimic just because Slipknot's so iconic. But like mm-hmm. I really have been listening to a lot of Vimic lately. Um, there's this band called Normandy that you should check out. They've got this really dope <laughs> song called Human Connection that I really fucking love. Um, and then... They're all right. I've listened <laughs> to them. They kind of suck. Their singer's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like really he's into like Taoism or some shit. Like who? Oh yeah, he's kind of a douche, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I said this last week on last week's show, but I have been really into my old scene shit to this. Not a new band, but it's new to me. But it's a band called This Providence, specifically the album Our World's Divorce, bro. It's so. It's so like my high school emo phase that it's really been getting me it's been getting me out of my normal headspace is like um annoyance uh sadness um like <laughs> anger i i ho- I stay in that realm a lot and then I'm trying to get out of it, but this one remind it's making me more like lovey and on one hand, I really like that, but on the other, I'm like, oh, no, it's going to make me want to be in a relationship, and I'm going to fuck myself. Like, so I got to be careful with this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, Dead Rest, a band from Chicago, essentially. Um, a band called Unwell just put out a new single uh, last night, in fact, called Solstice. Um, and then I want to shout out uh, this lady who's going to be coming to Vegetable Buddies in South Bend on August 28th, I believe. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Her name is Anna Popovic. She's a an amazing guitar player, a blues artist. Um, I'm definitely going to be checking her out at Vegetable Buddies. You should too. Not necessarily you. Uh, but you can come if you want. I was maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, she's really great, and I've been jamming out to her. And as always, Mr. John Mayer. I've been really delving into this new album his sob rock because i was initially disappointed in it because it wasn't what i was expecting but that is my fault you can't go into new releases with expectations because then you're just gonna shit on the band when they had nothing to do with your expectations what they make is what they make it is your job to receive it for what it is not what you want it to be so I've been going over it and really starting to appreciate that it really is like an 80s homage album. So I've been digging that. Awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, It's been a great time talking to you. I feel the same way, and I'll see you on uh, August 21st. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. This has been a Toon Junkies podcast. My name is Chris, 
and don't get lost in the sauce, y'all. Just let it go! 